Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar. Oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. My guest is born in New Zealand. His name is Graham Walsh. Uh, he's on the leadership team of IHOP in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, and uh, Graham, I was handed a picture before we started this interview and I am blown away by this picture. Uh, I want you to tell me about it. I'm looking at it, and it looks like a bonfire, and it looks like uh, uh, the flames coming out of the bonfire, and it's supposedly uh, books, and I'm going by the picture, but I do know this, it's books and tapes of the occult and the new age and witchcraft, and it looks like they're being burned up. Now, I'm not blown out of the water by that. I'm blown out of the water that I see actual faces of demons in the flames. Tell me about this picture. Yes, uh, Sid, this was back in about uh, the early 1990s when myself and Sabrina, uh, my wife, we were in charge of our youth group in the church in Hastings, New Zealand, and uh, we got some kids saved, and we said, we want to take you down to the uh, river and baptize you by full immersion. And we also said, we'd love you to bring all your heavy metal tapes, your ungodly stuff. We're going to burn them just as a, as a symbol of, of getting rid of the ungodly stuff and being washed in the waters of baptism for a new life. And so one Sunday afternoon after church, we went down to the river and uh, we, we bought old books. There was old picture frames there. We were back in the days of the cassette tapes in, uh, paintings, all demonic stuff, demonic books. And we just... Uh, we just lit a big bonfire to burn them up as a prophetic gesture. And uh, as this was happening, I thought, well, I'll just take a photo just to, just to show uh, the pastor what we did. And so we uh, took the photo and uh, surprised, surprised. And when we developed the photo, we, we saw these shapes and these heads and, and the demons and the flames of the, uh, the occultic stuff that was being burnt. And so that's the background to that. It was just, just an amazing photo set. Uh, you know, to me, this is absolute scientific evidence, uh, proof positive of the reality of demons, or it was touched up. Those are the two possibilities. And uh, getting to know you, I don't see the first one as a possibility. Yeah, the, the key thing in that photo is that uh, uh, demons must attach themselves to something. They're disembodied spirits, you see, Sid, and so when they... They're looking for either a human or an animal or objects to uh, to be part of. You know what I mean? We had a another person in our church that uh, bought a uh, a tribal mask at a fair in uh, Papua New Guinea as a missionary, and they came back and they got uh, very sick. We went round to the house to pray through it, and we looked at that mask. And as we prayed in the room, the eyes of the the mask started to follow us down, and so we took that thing down and destroyed it in the name of Jesus. So. Those demons had a legal right to be attached to those things that we have burnt. And so that's, uh, that's something that really happens with the demonic. They like to attach themselves to, to other people. Uh, you know, here in the West, 
Uh, number one, we're ignorant, and that's the word. Christians are ignorant of the demonic. Number two, we don't talk about it much. Uh, and, uh, but as I read the New Testament, about a third of Jesus's ministry was casting out demons from people. And as a matter of fact, there were some great men of God, A. Allen, Branham, Coe, uh, a number of years ago. One in particular was William Branham. And he had, and when someone was sick, he could tell whether the origin of the sickness was demonic or whether it was just disease. And when he would know which one, he'd know how to pray. And obviously, Jesus knew how to pray because sometimes he cast out demons and sometimes he prayed for healing. Uh, and I've been told that if you try to get someone healed that has a demon and you don't cast it out, they're not going to get healed. Uh, what's your experience? That is absolutely 100% right, uh, Sid. You hit the nail on the head there. Uh, back in 2004, I did a survey uh, of all the healings and miracles I'd seen over the year, and it was just fabulous. We had a, a, a lot of people healed and set free. And I have, have a little code that I put alongside them to just indicate whether there was a demonic involvement. And at the end of the year, there was a 90% demonic involvement uh, with these people uh, that were sick and diseased. And here is the key. Uh, Satan is the author and starter of sickness and disease. Now, if, if the sickness and the disease or the spiritual powers and people are not addressed, they will not get healed. And so that's why it's so essential to move in the Holy Spirit, said to get words of knowledge, discernment of spirit, so, so the Holy Spirit can tell us what's going on. Oh, well, you know, I just love what I've read about the gift of this Branham. He could hold people's hands and or, or be in their presence. And if one hand uh, would burn, it would be demonic. If the other hand, it would be a sickness. What a wonderful gift. Oh, that's extraordinary. I, I wish I had that gift, Sid. Well, you know what? You and I were discussing before we went on the air uh, that uh, Jesus made a statement. He said, you'll do the same things I have done and even greater. And I believe that many men and women of God have been doing the same things that Jesus has done. And uh, many of them I've interviewed. But there's coming a division in the body because we're about ready to see the greater signs that Jesus said we would have. And I believe that those that are wrong on Israel and the Jew those that are into a heresy called replacement theology, where the church replaces the literal promises made to the Jew in Israel, uh, and uh, those that are just in that arena will not move in the next great move, which I believe is the last great move of God's Spirit. But even worse, many of these people are going to go into heresy. Even though God's using them today, it's because of God's wonderful mercy. But the time of mercy is over if you have it wrong on the Jew in Israel. Uh, what do you think about that? I agree with that, Sid, you know, and with the end times in particular, we, we just have to look at Jesus as a model. Uh, by the way, we, uh, we have a commercial interruption just now. God just told me someone's neck was healed in Jesus' name. 
if you just move your head, you'll see the pain is gone. And, and many of you, even backs, are being healed. And I, I always get the three. I, I get necks, backs, and hips. All three are being healed. If you'll just walk into it right now, it's yours in Jesus' name. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Grandpa. No, that's good. Um, I believe, uh, I've always believed for many years, Sid, that uh, there's going to be a visual display of the power of God that's going to bring in the great harvest. Uh, Jesus taught, and then he demonstrated. Well, well, you know, that's how I reach Jewish people, unsaved Jewish people with the gospel, and that is through the miracles. Uh, But what is going to happen when someone without a leg gets a leg back? Can you see a a crowd of of Muslims or a crowd of Jews going slightly berserk and saying, uh, bowing down, saying, God must be in our midst. Tell me about your God. Every false theology will be thrown out the window when that happens, Sid. <laughs> you, you can't argue against a miracle. The man didn't have a leg. Now he has a leg in Jesus' name. What do you think about that? And uh, everywhere Jesus demonstrated, uh, there, was, there was sort of revival in the area, whether it was with words of knowledge, with power evangelism, like John Wimber called it, uh, healing, miracles, stuff happened. And so uh, you can argue s- Scripture and theology all day long. But when you pray in the name of Jesus and we see a miracle happen, the argument's over. Why is it? Now, here's a better question. Are you seeing, you're from New Zealand. I expect miracles out in New Zealand. I expect miracles in Africa. Do you have miracles of a great magnitude in the U.S.? Uh, I've got to be 100% here, Sid, in my reply that all of my major miracles have been here in America. In the USA, the reason. Being, tell me, tell me, tell me one country right now. Tell me one miracle right now. Oh, well, we we had an incredible miracle. Uh, Arizona, I was preaching, and this uh, we had an order call for healing, and this lady rolled up to the uh, stage, which was uh, in a wheelchair. And uh, I got to admit, this was in my. You know, I wasn't that full of confidence that night, and I was. I was kind of hoping my wife Sabrina would pray for her first, but she didn't. <laughs> and so uh, I, I walked down the two or three steps from the stage, and I just started to talk with the lady, and I started to pray for her. And I started to walk back holding her hand, and then I looked. The people started yelling, and I kind of looked behind me, and the lady came out of the wheelchair and was running with me. Uh, she was completely healed from the wheelchair. This was in Phoenix. This was in Mesa, suburb of Phoenix. Uh, and uh, as I talked to this lady lately, I'll never forget her face. If I see her tomorrow, I'll always remember her. She had been married in the wheelchair. That night, I saw her push the, push the wheelchair out the door home. And as she told me the next day, she rang the doorbell. Her husband opened the door to see his wife walk in walking for the first time in his life. Was there a key to her healing? I just think it was a corporate anointing that night. I, I, okay, how long had she been in the wheelchair? Um, 40 years, I think. Wow. Okay, uh, we're out of time right now, Graham, but you have a, a, a manual, a workbook, and a three-CD series called Generational Sin and Curses, it's a missing ingredient, and I believe key to many people's healings, and many many of you listening to your freedom for you and for your loved ones 
it, it we'll get into on tomorrow's broadcast, but the entire kit is available for a gift of $36. This manual is a how-to manual and, and uh, CD series. How to know if generational curses are working in your life and in your family. Uh, and this very few people know this, but even better is recognize it and how to be free. See, something could have happened to you several generations back to your ancestors, and you don't even know about it that's affecting you today. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Now, why is it biblically? Why, why could we have an open door open access by the demonic in one or more areas of our life because of an ancestor. What's the reason behind that biblically? Okay, there's obviously our, our biblical answer always lies in the Bible. And we have quite a few scriptures that talk about that. But I just want to go back one, one second there uh, and speak about it. When we get saved, day of salvation, our own sins are forgiven. But with the generational sin, it's not our own sin but we live with the effect of it. So the whole key to this teaching is to breaking the effect of this sin, even though it's not our own sin, uh, to break it so it won't go down in our family. So I, I just, uh, just want to let that one go in there, Sid, for a start. Okay, and now give me some scripture. Okay, uh, we've got Exodus 20, verse 4 to 5. You want me to read them out or just give you the scriptures? That... No, you know, read a few out. Okay, uh, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Uh, Numbers 14.18, I'm just reading out a selection here, not all of them. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, Deuteronomy 5. No. But, but here's my question. I think that's, that's enough there, uh, because I know there's a lot of scriptures on this. Yeah. Uh, but, but my question to you is, if I get born again, doesn't just that prayer sever that relationship that happened from a sin by an ancestor? Uh, I don't believe so, uh, Sid. Um, Christians still get sick. If you look at Christian families, um, you have sickness, disease coming down from generation to generation, uh, quite often the same type of sickness, or it can be something like uh, a divorce, adultery, uh, gambling, uh, alcoholism. Everyone's saved. Everyone's going to heaven. Their sins are forgiven, but this thing is still coming down through the families. Uh, you know, talking about generational, uh, you have some amazing studies on family lines uh, with 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 uh, the same pattern of sin, generation after generation after generation. Tell me about one or two of them. Okay, well, they're, they're in my family. I'll just start with uh, my side. Um, we have uh, we've had four generations of heart disease in my family. Uh, my father started his uh, first heart attacks in his late thirties, and he would have had at least three a year. I can remember growing up visiting my father in, in hospital as a teenager. Uh, he had uh, quadruple bypass age 60 and died of a heart attack at 69. Now, my brother, uh, he had his first heart attack at 48. 
He had quadruple bypass at the age 54. My sister had angina, high blood pressure, and she's had two shunts uh, in her heart uh, over the last few years. That's the second generation. The third generation, my sister's uh, gave, uh, had a little daughter, was born with a hole in her heart, and she died at the age of two years old, having an operation to fix her heart. That was the third generation. And three years ago, my sister, who was unsaved then, uh, her four-year-old son, uh, uh, grandson, sorry, her four-year-old grandson uh, started a heart murmur at four years old. One, two, three, four generations of the same family suffering from heart conditions. Uh, that was in my family. Uh, in my wife's family, uh, there's a couple of things there. They had sudden death in their family. Uh, on my wife's side, her grandmother, her grandfather, and her auntie all died totally unrelated in six weeks. Nothing to do with each other. They died separately. Her father and her three uncles all died between the ages of 46 and 48. And my wife, uh, along with her sister-in-law, and my mother-in-law, at the age of 21, all came down with gallstones from the liver. Uh, that was in our family. That's just the medical ones. So uh, Now, a doctor would say, oh, that's just the genes. What would you say to the, someone that said, well, I've just been to the doctor. They asked me, uh, did my mother, uh, did my father have heart trouble? Did they have cancer? Uh, and then the doctor just attributes it to the genes. Yes, well, we, 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 have a, we have a physical DNA, which stuff is passed down through us, green eyes, freckles, short, tall, or whatever it is. You know, some of us look like our siblings, some don't. Then we also have a soulless DNA, which, which, which is, uh, might be new to some people, and that's how we, uh, we inherit attitudes and prejudices and ways of thinking. And also we have a spiritual DNA, which the Bible talks about blessings and curses. And so there's a combination there, Sid. Tell, tell me about uh, a family that had curses, like, I don't know how to pronounce it, you, Max Jukes? Well, yes, Max Jukes. This, this, was, a, uh, this was an actual survey done here in America. Uh, it's very interesting here. Uh, Max Jukes, uh, he was a, uh, this was done in the time of the 1800s, I think. Um, he, this man, Max Jukes, uh, was an atheist who married a godless woman. Uh, there's an official survey done on his family. There was 560 descendants were traced. Of these, uh, 310 died as paupers, 150 became criminals, and seven of them became murderers. 100 were alcoholics, more than half the women became prostitutes, and in all, the descendants of Max Juice cost the U.S. government one and a quarter million uh, 19th century dollars. And that's just the godless, god, godless inheritance that's come down through the family. So, so if Max Jukes had been radically saved and walked a holy life and knew how to break these generational curses, none of that would have happened. Uh, let's use, for example, someone that did understand that, Jonathan Edwards. Tell me about his background. Yeah, he was, he was around at the same time as Max Jukes. Now, we know this is Jonathan Edwards, who many of us know about, the revivalist here in America. Uh, he was a committed Christian and uh, married a godly young woman. And they traced, interesting, just under 1,400 of his descendants, which is virtually just under three, three times more than Max Jukes. So three, 
two-thirds of the descendants lasted longer, lived a lot longer. Hmm. Yeah. 295 of Jonathan Edwards' descendants graduated from college, became college presidents, became professors. Three were elected as United States senators, governors. Uh, 30 became judges, 100 lawyers. 56 practiced as physicians. 75 became officers in the Army and the Navy. 100 became well-known missionaries, preachers, and authors. 80 held some sort of public office, and uh, one was a controller of the U.S. Treasury, and another became the vice president of the United States. Now, none of these descendants from a godly man became a liability to the U.S. government, but influenced hundreds of lives in a good, godly way. Okay, how can we know that that perhaps we're dealing with a generational curse. Tell me some areas that you're aware of uh, that would be included in that. Well, there's, there's different ways. Um, you can see physically, like people have, uh, can have types of conditions coming down through families. Uh, as I said, it may be heart disease, arthritis. It may be uh, uh, liver problems, may be uh, mental problems, things like that. Or can be other things like uh, adulteries and uh, um, uh, fornication. It can be alcoholism, uh, drugs, those sort of things. That it, and, and you can you can see it moving from generation to generation. Sometimes it jumps a generation. And uh, I think one of the most well-known curses here in America, of course, is the curse on the, the Kennedy family from Boston. Uh, you know, I just uh, looked at a sheet of how many Kennedys and what happened to them, and I knew a few of them. But this is a whole sheet of family members that had tragedy that were the Kennedy family. Oh, it just, it just breaks my heart that they've had this go through their family, and for some reason they have not known about this or, or have ignored it. I don't know, but, you know, you, you know if, if you have a look at their history, there's always a cause, and... Uh, um, we look at the father, Joe Kennedy, and uh, he, he appeared to be sort of like the Irish Mafia. Um, he made his money in the Depression uh, by importing bootleg liquor from Canada and made, made his millions in that time. Uh, it's interesting, it also says he was a known adulterer, and that's one of the things that's been in the Kennedy family also. Uh, if anyone studies Hollywood, his mistress was a, a woman called Gloria Swanson, a film star from the 1920s. And, of course, we have the Kennedy family itself. The oldest son, Joe Jr., was killed in World War II in an experiment in a bomber that blew up over the English uh, Channel. Uh, John Kennedy, of course, the president. Uh, if we read the tabloids, and uh, there was the association with Marilyn Monroe and people like that, actresses, uh, and probably from the family connection, or it's probably true, uh, he was shot. Uh, right. uh, do you believe, you know, because we're running out of time, do you believe that poverty, the curse of poverty, can be generational? Oh, for sure. I am so excited about Graham Walsh's teaching. Why? Because it's been swept under the carpet, the churches won't talk about it, and especially here in the West, it's causing massive problems with believers that love God, and they're walking around with a dark cloud over their head, and they don't understand why. It's called generational sins and curses. Uh, Graham, 
explain briefly what is a generational sin and what is a curse. Generational sin and curse, they, they in some ways can, a generation sin uh, can open the doorway for a curse. Uh, let, let's talk about that for a minute, Sid. The spirit world is eternal. Uh, you have sort of like, uh, you've got one end, we've got heaven, God, and the angels. The other end, we have hell, Satan, and demons, and we're standing in the middle. We're eternal beings. We are spirit people first, Genesis one twenty six. Now, the curses can operate in two ways. It can be a spoken curse. Something like, I hate you, I hope you get sick and die. All right, well, take, take me, for example. Uh, I, I boldly stand up for Jesus being the Messiah in the Jewish community, and I know as a fact that there are many rabbis that, I mean, I've sent out a million Jewish evangelistic books and got prayer for these million Jewish families throughout the U.S. Uh, so I, I know these rabbis are cursing me. Yes. But Scripture says a curse without cause shall not land, Sid. And it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, that's a key. And also covering yourself with the blood of Jesus every day. I do that every day. Uh, you know something I do every day, and I've started this over the—I've been doing it for about a year? I take communion every day. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, one of the blessings of the House of Prayer is that we have a communion table available 24 hours a day. And I think it's one of the sad things of Christianity today— that there are still probably a high percentage of churches that only have maybe communion at Easter or Christmas time or maybe once a month. Uh, I think it's sad. It's 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 very sad. Uh, and there's so much power in the blood of Jesus. Oh my gosh, it's just unbelievable. Well, well, some people think it has to be done in a church. Other people think it has to be done once every 30 days. Uh, but they don't know the early church. They didn't even have good water. So at every meal, they had wine. And at every meal, they had bread. So Jesus was saying, look, every time you eat, you can be reminded of my death, burial, and resurrection and speak about the blood. Just take the basic ingredients that are at your table. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't, I can't agree with you more, Sid. You know, look at the Book of Acts Church. All the things that happened, they had communion daily, looked after the widows and uh, moved in the Holy Spirit, and it says the church was added to daily. And so this became a regular occurrence, and it's it just got sad. So I encourage the listeners out there today, you have communion every day. You can have it at home. Just get some little... Uh, I, I feel naked if I don't oh, take it every day, I have to tell you. <laughs> have wine in case you have trouble being an alcoholic, but just have some juice and just sure. the Lord. Uh, listen, if I don't even have grape juice, I'll just take some water because it's symbolic of what Jesus did for us. It's not the wine. It's not the grape juice. It's not the bread. It's symbolism he suggested I use to remind myself of the great defeat of Satan. Totally, totally. So whatever way you want it, you can have it, whether it's water, whether it's wine, or whether it's grape juice or whatever. Yeah, give me one quick testimony of someone that was set free because of communion or delivered of generational uh, curses. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I just have to think for a minute. There's so many. I'd like to talk about the power of communion. Um, we were in Asia. I won't say whereabouts in a, a country in Asia. And I was conducting a church service there. And uh, at the end of the church service, we we're praying for people, and there's quite a, quite a kerfuffle going down the back. And I went down the back, and 
there was this young man on the floor, and uh, he had four people holding him down. And I said to the pastor, through an interpreter, what is going on here? He said, oh, that man is a foundation member of our church. But each time the, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes down, this man manifests, and we have to have four men to hold him down. So I have assigned those four men permanently to him during service, so when he manifests, they hold him down so he doesn't hurt anyone. I just, I just couldn't believe my ears what he said. Four men were permanently assigned to hold this man who was influenced by the demonic down during the service. Incredible. And uh, I said, okay. I said, go and get me communion. So he come and got communion. It took a little while because they weren't used to it and they had to find it. And I, and I went over to this young man and I, I, uh, I got down beside him and I, I, uh, I used to be involved in sort of uh, some, some wrestling in the early days. So I, I held him firmly and I said, I'm going to give you communion. Now, I don't, this man couldn't even speak English, and communion gave over, and we gave him communion, and he, he manifested, so I, I assisted him to have communion. And after 15 to 20... Whoa, whoa, whoa. How did you assist him? <laughs> well, I, I, I poured it into his mouth. <laughs> I held his, closed his mouth and closed his nose with my hand, so he, he couldn't breathe, and he had to swallow it, and he swallowed it. And about 15 to 20 seconds later... This man is gloriously set free. Was that an exception, or have you seen this type of thing over and over again by people when they know how to take communion and understand it? Three or four times in my life when I felt led by the Holy Spirit to do it. Um, It's not something I do normally, but if it needs to be done and the Holy Spirit directs me, I will do it. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying forget the fact that clamping his mouth closed. I mean, have you seen communion work over and over again to set people free of the demonic? If I have a set, if I arrange a set time of deliverance, we will always have communion there every time. It is the greatest tool for deliverance. The blood uh, and the, the sorry, the blood and body which is represented in the communion, the symbols. Uh, the, the demonic know about it. They, they know it. I, I've prayed for people, and I will mention the blood of Jesus, and the, the demons hate it. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Don't mention the blood. Don't mention the blood. Not all the time, but I've heard it said. So they know what it means. They know their future. They know what happened at the cross. I want to make sure people catch this. Do you realize every time you say by faith the blood of Jesus, the whole demonic world that is watching you, it it, it just starts shaking with fear and taking a step back every time you say the blood of Jesus? I love it. (laughs) It's so powerful, that, and that's a good way to, uh, to, to, I often whisper in the ear of someone after praying for them for deliverance, the blood of Jesus, and many times if there's no reaction, they've been set free. Uh, it's a good test to see whether the demonic is there. <laughs> okay, let, let's go back. Define a generational curse for me. Okay, a generational curse is uh, something that has come down through the family line, which is not good, which is from Satan. Uh, it's a curse, it's a spiritual thing, but it has a physical effect in the world we live in. Oh, well, give me some indicators that curses may be operating in, in someone's life. Yes. So uh, it, can, it can come through the flesh or come through the mind. You know, uh, generational mind problems. Um, well, we, had a, we had a remarkable healing here in, uh, six months ago. Uh, prayed for this 
a girl who was bent over. She had scoliosis, and she was bent over, uh, and her, ch- her chin was on her chest. Her shoulders were rounded, and she was about eight months pregnant. And we had about 60, 70 people in the room. Just I was teaching them how to do healing and that. And one of the things with the demonic is uh, said with sickness is the spirit of infirmity, and that must be addressed. Uh, the spirit of infirmity is, uh, Jesus addressed that in the bowed down woman. The spirit of infirmity is a demonic entity that comes and sits on people's sickness or disease and prolongs it. If it doesn't get addressed in the name of Jesus Christ, that thing will not move and they will not be healed. We have to address the spirit world before people will get healed most of the time. As I talked to this young lady with scoliosis, she informed me that her mother and her grandmother had the same condition. She was the third generation. So we prayed and took authority in Jesus' name and broke the curses, and she was immediately healed. uh, While we were praying, she grew two inches taller. Uh, It was just magnificent. She told me that later in the interview. Well, I want you to list to me some indicators that a curse okay. may be operating in someone's life. All right. First one would be uh, people with mental problems, uh, emotional problems, uh, such as deep depression, history of suicidal, those sort of things. Um, I had that in my life. Uh, it came down because my grandfather was a Mason and one of the uh, Freemason and one of the things that uh, affects you is your mind. Praise God, I've been set free from that now. Um, uh, just uh, scattered thinking, uh, depression, uh, heavy cloud over you all the time. Uh, definitely a curse operating there. Um, second one, repeated or chronic sicknesses that can come down. It's, it's interesting that uh, 75% of the people that go to the doctor today, said have what they call psychosomatic illness. Uh, psychosomatic illness is a condition that starts in your mind, which might start from uh, worry, uh, bitterness, grief, envy, hatred, something like that. But it shows itself out through the body as a physical disease. 75%. Very, very high. Uh, another uh, one is breakdown in relationships, generational of divorce. Um, divorce coming down from generation to generation. Uh, another big one is ongoing lack of finance. Now, uh, I had that in my family over me. My father spoke it over me unintentionally, but because he was my father, it had a spiritual effect. But, but, you, but you know what? We're running out of time right now. Let me read a few of them real fast. Spiritual slumber, spiritual deadness, hard to pray and read the word, uh, compulsive behaviors, addictions, anger, rejection of others, self-hatred, unusual or violent deaths, barrenness. I need to get this kit in your hands. It's called Generational Sins and Curses. It's a special manual with prayers, how to pray, three CDs. I'm going to tell you something. You start with yourself, you get free, and about everyone you know needs to get free of these generational curses. The kit is available for a gift of $36. Call our order-only line, one 800 Four four seven twenty six ninety seven one eight hundred four four seven two six nine seven. Graham, 
we were talking about people uh, that members of uh, uh, of even fraternal orders, such as Masons. Uh, give me a, a testimony of someone that was set free that was involved in Masonry or maybe their ancestors were. Yeah, I, I've, uh, one day uh, this man turned up and he was a Mason and he turned up to challenge me, you know. I said, well, I'd like you to sit down and listen, listen to the teaching first. So he agreed to do that. He was brought along by uh, a lady that we knew. And halfway through... Uh, the teaching, he stood up and said, I want it to stop. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, I want to be saved. I, I don't want to go to hell. I've just realized this morning that I should not be in the Masonic Lodge. And so we stopped the meeting. We went over to him. We led him through the sinner's prayer. And we prayed over him. And he got, and he got so touched by the Holy Spirit that we didn't know till later that he told us that he'd always had a lot of breathing problems. But after the, the meeting, when he gave his heart to the Lord, his breathing was back 100% normal. And so he, he not only got uh, saved, he got healed also. And that's, that was just... Oh, tell me about that 300-pound woman with about 30 uh, skin abrasions. Oh, yes. we. I can remember um, uh, this was uh, in the summer. It's a few years ago, and uh, I, I, I was away at this church, and uh, this lady walked in, and... Uh, I, I saw uh, she she was in a, uh, she had all these adhesions over her uh, her neck and her face and her shoulders and the top of her arms. It was summertime, so she she had a summer dress on, and uh, she was an African American lady. And I I went over and I said, "Look, uh, my dear," I said, "I'm involved in healings." I said, "Can you tell me something about your condition?" And she said she had been born with it and she wasn't sure. And as we talked, I already had some inkling from the Holy Spirit that the there was a, uh, a Freemasonry uh, root in this. And I said, uh, do you have any family history in the Masonic Lodge? And she said, yes, my grandfather was a 33rd degree. Now, uh, you may or may not know, but there's a black branch of Freemasonry called Prince Hall Freemasonry. And uh, her grandfather was a part of that. So we went through a prayer and we broke the curse and she repented and I never saw her again, but her pastor came up to me at Christmas time at the One Thing Conference here in Kansas City and said, uh, you know, you prayed for Gladys back in uh, May. I want to tell you that she's completely healed. All adhesions have gone off her skin, and her skin is in perfect condition. So it's just, uh, I have seen this, I've seemed to found that sometimes, quite often, there's a direct link between skin problems and involvement with the uh, Freemasonry or Masonic Lodge. Briefly, what is wrong with uh, masonry? And it's not just masonry. There's a whole list of these fraternal orders. T- uh, t- tell me some of the groups that you have found have the demonic origins. Well, there's, there's quite a few things uh, that we seem to find out that have been wrong with the masons, and particularly with Christians joining them. Um, the first one I want to teach is that uh, uh, Christianity teaches salvation only through Jesus Christ, but... Uh, Freemasons believe in salvation by Jacob's ladder and by doing good works. Uh, they believe in a God who can be anything to him, and the name of Jesus is has to be removed from their rituals as forbidden to be spoken. So their God can be Allah, their God can be uh, the Hindu God or the uh, the uh, Muslim God or wherever it is, uh, and so they don't teach salvation. The second thing. Uh, false gods are worshipped at different degrees in the Masonic Lodge. Um, a common term they use is uh, G-O-A-T. 
GTU, which means Great Architect of the Universe. Now, that, that cannot be our God. Our God is the Creator. Uh, an architect needs plans. They come from God. So uh, our God is a Creator. And so that's one of the things they use. Um, secondly, um, uh, the name Jabalon is used. Uh, Abaddon. Uh, some Druid gods are used, Odin, Freya, and Thor. Some Hindu gods are used, Brahman, Vishnu, and Shiva. Allah is uh, used, and at 33 degrees, uh, Lucifer is used. And so they are some of the false gods uh, used in their ceremony. Uh, what about uh, someone that says, look, I just joined this group because it's good for business, but to be candid with you, I, you know, I don't know that much about it. And they never get beyond uh, the basics of being a Mason. Can they be harmed spiritually? Certainly. My grandfather joined. He only went to one degree, the first step. He never did any more. But that was enough to bring the curses in our family. Yes, uh, you do get the job. It's, it's called, called corruption, really. Uh, you get jobs if you're a Mason. If you don't, you miss out on them. And it. And it, it's infiltrated right through our society around the world. Um, All right, you, you said your grandfather was one. What, how did, what effect did it have on, on some of your family? Well, we always had skin problems that came through. He had skin problems after that. He came back from World War I. He had skin problems. Uh, missed a generation, and then I've got the skin problems. My sister had skin problems. Um, just uh, different other things coldness to the things of God uh, because the Antichrist spirit is behind it. Um, that's how it sort of affected our family. Love man, uh, nice man. Uh, but uh, secrecy is another thing. Uh, they go to their meetings and are not allowed to tell their wives or anything said. And so there's this whole secrecy thing that is not good for families that uh, wives don't know what their husbands get up to and it uh, used try and ask some questions about it, you'll be told to be quiet very, very quickly. Okay, let's go back to you, uh, because uh, uh, you and your wife both had generational curses on your life. You were able to break some, and, and as a result, you didn't have to suffer what some of your siblings suffered. Uh, tell, me, uh, tell me about what, what was passed on to you and how you broke it, and uh, what happened? Okay, uh, the skin problems, of course, came down. I had to go to a skin specialist at a very early age. My skin problems are gone now. Uh, I have missed out on the heart disease. Uh, I am, I will be 62 years old next birthday. I'm a big, solid guy. Uh, I am about 20 years past the date where the rest of my siblings got heart problems. Uh, my daughter's in her early 30s. Uh, she's never had gallstones. She's past the date where her mother and grandmother and auntie got gallstones. So there's good fruit that's being produced, and that's how you examine whether it's broken or not, Sid. The, the, the bad fruit is removed and the good fruit is showing. Um, now, I have to tell you something. Uh, when I was a brand-new believer, 
uh, coming from a Jewish background, not knowing anything about the Messiah for, I mean, I was the first believer in my family, to my knowledge, that knew the Messiah. I And I was involved in the occult, in the New Age, and so I confessed everything I could think of. I broke every curse I could think of, but the truth of the matter is I left a few out, and I took your manual— and the Holy Spirit started reminding me things, and and, and I have to. I'm, I'm asking you this question, and I said the prayers that you have written in the manual, and I could feel every time I would command something to go, I could actually feel as if something was going. Is that my imagination after all these years? No, no, that's true. Uh, that happens uh, a lot when I teach. At the end of my prayer, we have a 20-minute prayer of repenting which means being sorry, renouncing, which means turning away, and going through this sin and, and acknowledging them. What happens is very often I tell people, as you go through these uh, prayers, uh, often the Holy Spirit will just give you that little nudge, that little, huh, there's something going on there. So I encourage people to just write that down uh, when they're going through that, and that's something to pray about, because very often the Holy Spirit is just giving you revelation about something that you've never known about before. And we must remember the Holy Spirit has seen all, remembers all, and knows all. He is well able to tell you if there's something there. And that's what he does. I, every time I teach this class, I still go through the prayer myself, Sid, even though I've said it hundreds of times now. Um, because I know I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner that loves the Lord, and I know there's stuff I haven't uh, ha- haven't been set free from in some ways, but I want to be. Uh, and that's just me. You know, sometimes we like to hang on to our stuff. and uh, But we're a work in progress. And the thing is not to be condemned about it, but to be, thank Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are showing us is an area in my life that needs to be set free. Graham, on yesterday's broadcast, uh, we didn't get to the story, but uh, you were... Uh, 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 in a campsite uh, that uh, formerly it was a Native American campsite with, uh, and they had uh, people had died there, uh, and you and your wife got attacked uh, from demonic spirits. Tell me about that briefly. Yeah, about one in the morning, we were woken up by my wife choking, and uh, I woke up and I was I couldn't see them, but the Holy Spirit said the demons are attacking, so. Uh, we we fought in the way we know how. We prayed in the spirit. We prayed in tongues. And we released the blood of Jesus. This went on for two hours, and then finally they left. Uh, the following morning, we spoke to the people about it, and they told us the facts about the place. So we anointed the whole place. We anointed the place. We restaked it, and we got the titles from the house, from the property, and we prayed over it, and we poured communion over it in blood, uh, uh, communion over the and tore tore the, uh, the uh, title deeds in half. The following, in the afternoon, it was so different from black and white. Kids on this camp were giving their heart to the Lord. They were handing in marijuana. They were handing in cigarettes because the legal power had been broken that had a right to be on that land by the blood of Jesus. Well, you know, so few people know about curses that are perhaps uh, affecting them and their children and their grandchildren, or especially these generational curses, the word curses and the generational curses, that it's so essential people begin to understand this. Uh, But I have to ask you this question. 
when when you have these confrontations in the spirit world with the demonic, aren't you afraid of tackling these things? I'm, I mean, that's a scary thing. Yeah, I got trained in a uh, prophetic and deliverance church in New Zealand, and deliverance was a normal uh, procedure we got trained in. So I took authority over it. We learned spiritual authority there. And really, spiritual authority is a legal right and a power to command and to enforce in the spirit world. And this can be over an individual or a group. And so we have this as spiritual authority. Jesus gave it to us in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. He said, all authority has been given to me on earth, earth and heaven. And so we have that authority from the day we, the first day we're saved, said we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, the fullness of God. And so from day one, we have that spiritual authority in us as a new Christian. Um, teach just a little bit uh, on spiritual authority. Yeah, we, we, we can't be afraid of the enemy when we realize who's standing beside us. Um, God gave me this vision, and in the vision, the devil walked up to me and said, Ha, I can deal with you. And he looked over my shoulder, and he saw the Lord standing there. Then he looked over my left shoulder, sorry, and saw the Holy Ghost standing there. Then he looked over my head, and he saw God the Father standing there. Then he looked over Jesus' shoulder and saw the armies of angels then he looked over the Holy Spirit's shoulder and he saw the legions of martyrs. And then he looked over the angels' shoulders and he saw the millions of saints. And then he looked over the, the, the martyrs' shoulders and saw the, the, uh, the creatures of heaven. And as I, the Lord showed me this, he says, Graham, he says, I am enough. But when you stand against the enemy, the fullness of heaven stands behind you. And, and you know what? You and I were talking about this before the broadcast. The devil likes to bluff you, but that's all it is. And if you give him no place, he's got to run as in terror. Yes. The, the key is, Sid, for spiritual warfare, we fight from a place of victory, not looking for victory, not asking for victory. We fight from a place of victory, which Jesus fought and won on the cross. That makes such a difference in, in people's lives when you know where you fight from. Okay, the Spirit of God is telling me uh, that let's just take one of so many areas people could have generational curses uh, pestering them or, or word curses pestering them uh, from finances to marital problems to problems with children to all sorts of health problems from early death to cancer to heart trouble to diabetes, uh, all of these things. And, of course, in your uh, three CD series, you take care of breaking all of these curses and people repeating prayers. But uh, heart disease is epidemic in society. People have high blood pressure. They're getting bypasses. They're, uh, they're getting new hearts. Uh, they're, they're having strokes. Uh, they're dying early. Um, I believe that this is generational curses, and I wonder if you could, just as you do on your tapes, let's just take this one. I want you to break those curses and lead us in a prayer for us to break those curses in our life and our family's lives. Certainly. I'd love to do that. It's uh, very close to home, that one. But, but I still have to ask you this question. It seems too simple. How, how come you don't make it more complex? Because the Lord wants us to come to him as little children, Sid. And uh, 
just, you know, the little children just attracted to Jesus. They didn't have all these discussions or arguments. They just believed. And so, you know, uh, just believe what the Word says. And, and, and throw some bad cholesterol in this prayer, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. All right, I'll, I'll just... And, and, and just remind us of what God did in your family, how many people had heart problems and how that was broken and did not affect you, just briefly. Yes. Well, I have four generations of heart disease in my family. The curse has been broken, and I'm 62. I'm the biggest boy in the family, uh, weight-wise, and uh, I am 20 years past the date where the rest of my brothers and sisters had uh, heart problems, and the curse has been broken. I can swim a mile a couple of days a week and I have a 15 to 20 second recovery time after swimming uh, a mile in the swimming pool and so that's good fruit Um, but a key also is said this is a wonderful evangelism tool to lead your unsaved relations to the Lord by showing them the curses they can't deny it Hmm. I'd like you all to follow me in a prayer today dear Lord Jesus dear Lord Jesus Today, today, I take responsibility. I take responsibility for the sins of my ancestors. For the sins of my ancestors that have brought curses into my life. That have brought curses into my life. It wasn't my own personal sin. It was not my own personal sin. But I do as the Bible says today. But I do as the Bible says today. That I take responsibility for it. That I take responsibility for it. I confess. I confess. And I repent of it today. And I repent of it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That you're going to set me free. That you're going to set me free. And heal me today. And heal me today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We bind these heart conditions. I bind these heart conditions. Every heart condition known. Every heart condition known. In the chambers, in the valves. In the chambers, in the valves. In the veins, in the arteries. In the veins, in the arteries. High blood pressure. High blood pressure. Cholesterol. Cholesterol. Blocked arteries. Blocked arteries. And any other condition. And any other condition. Today we bind it in Jesus' name. Today I bind it in Jesus' name. Its cause, its power, and its effect. Its cause, its power, and its effect. And we break its hold today. And I break its hold today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. We command healing into our heart today. I command healing into my heart today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about anyone else, but I sure feel a lot of peace as a result of that prayer. Uh, what do you think that means, Graham? Well, you know, peace of God is just outstanding. When you, when you pray in his name, there's always a peace. You know, when times of turmoil, pray. Just pray in the Spirit, pray, and you just feel that peace of God around you. And it's just amazing. We can have that every day. It's available to us. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What about homosexuality? Uh, Could that be generational curses? Uh, It certainly can, because I I believe it's it's birthed in an unclean spirit. And uh, unclean spirits certainly come down generations. And, And have you ever prayed for someone that was set free? Yes, I have. Um... I can remember uh, over in uh, Phoenix again, we prayed over the, uh, we're on another TV station there, and uh, we prayed against that. We felt to do that, and uh, men, two or three uh, homosexuals came to our meeting the next day and got prayed over and got set free. 
Uh, nothing's too big for the Lord. Nothing's too big for the Lord to sit free. I, I am overwhelmed when people pray these prayers, all these miracles happen. Tell me about the person with a missing body part. Yeah, a lady came into the healing room, and we prayed for her, and she'd, she'd been in a car accident and was crushed. You know, a crush injury is the worst. And she's lost her kidney. So we prayed that God would replace her kidney. And uh, about three weeks later, she came back in with an x-ray, and God had put the missing kidney back into her body. And we're starting to see more of more creational miracles that Shit, it's just, uh, it's just amazing. You know, and as you're saying that, God is telling me that some people with arthritis in their fingers, their fingers are getting healed right now. Uh, I just uh, literally heard that. Is God showing you anyone that's being healed, Graham? Yeah, God's just showing me that he's going to be healing a lot of people with long-term pain and long-term pain, back and knees and shoulders. Um, so I just speak into that now. I command healing to come into those shoulders right now. Those, uh, those backs, pain command you to go in Jesus' name right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Uh, I'll tell you something. You absolutely need this training series. Three CDs, manual, generational sins and curses, of, and with interactive prayers for you to repeat, just as you just uh, heard, available for a gift of $36. Shabbat broadcast. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is healing you right now. I see ears opening right now in Jesus' name. I see backs healed right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Your error To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 
39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.